Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fix Your Gut podcast. I'm Holly, functional nutritionist, and I am talking to you today about mental health, specifically depression. And we're also going to cover seasonal affective disorder, aka SAD or the winter blues. This topic hits really close to home for me because I have struggled with depression and anxiety for most of my life um, and really struggled with seasonal affective disorder in the winter. So living in Canada, in the northern climates, um, you know, light and sun exposure is limited, um, especially those of us who are working daytime jobs. Um, in the winter, we do get a decent amount of sun, but it's just not strong enough or not long enough to help you have um, certain levels of things like serotonin and vitamin D that are really critical for mental health. So today we're going to dive into causes and, and natural um, management of depression, as well as seasonal affective disorder and what we can do about it. I hope you find this episode enlightening. And I do want to preface this episode by saying I am not against medication for mental health. I have used it myself. Um, but I do want to empower people to understand, first of all, how you can optimize your mental health without medication. Um, and it may not be right for everyone, these natural approaches, um, or they may be something that you do in addition to a mental health uh, medication. Or there may be times, for example, when you are wanting to get pregnant that you want to potentially avoid medication and go the natural route. Um, so that's something I definitely want to cover in this episode. And I hope you guys find it empowering because you deserve to understand why you're struggling with low mood and how you can boost it naturally. You're listening to the Fix Your Gut podcast, a podcast that empowers you to understand why you have gut issues and what to do about it. After over 20 years of suffering with IBS, migraines, and chronic fatigue, I decided to take matters into my own hands and I became a nutritionist so I could not only heal myself, but heal others that were struggling like me. Odds are you're here because you're stuck. Your doctor couldn't help and you've already tried cutting out foods and probiotics. So now what? You don't have to suffer anymore. You can heal your gut. We're going to go beyond diet and supplements to empower you with the knowledge you need to achieve deep, lasting healing and finally enjoy food again and get your life back. Okay, so first off, if you're dealing with depression, we have to understand what are the factors that are contributing to it. So obviously there are um, psychological factors, including you know chronic stress, or maybe you've got um, some worries about finances or health or family stuff. In this episode, we're going to be focusing more on the physical potential causes that are contributing to um, your mood issues like depression. And so all that to say, obviously life is going to happen. We're going to get stressed. There's going to be things that make us feel down. But if our physical health is as optimal as possible, that um, allows us to be in a better place where we are more able to deal with these stressors and maybe we feel a bit down, but we don't get to the point of being like clinically depressed or unable to function, right? So there's a difference between feeling down and being able to manage that uh, with support from loved ones or whatever tools that work for you. And um, we'll discuss some of the tools that I love to use in this episode. 
um, versus being clinically depressed where you're having a really hard time functioning in your day-to-day life. And so I'll kind of briefly go over some of the more common symptoms of depression uh, that are also common symptoms of seasonal affective disorder. And then we'll discuss kind of the difference between um, chronic or typical depression versus seasonal affective disorder. So depression can look like a lack of interest in the activities you used to enjoy. So maybe you love uh, painting or hiking or um, crafting or whatever it may be, playing music, um, but you really just have no interest in that anymore. Um, It could look like very low motivation in general. So you know you need to clean the house or go for a doctor's appointment or whatever it may be, but you kind of just want to lay on the couch and do nothing. Um, Or you may want to sleep a lot more. So uh, both sleep and appetite can be dramatically impacted and it can go either way. So you may want to sleep a lot more or you may really have trouble sleeping or you may have a really increased appetite and strong cravings for comfort foods, especially carbs and sugar, or you may have very little appetite. So depending on the person, it can go either way. In my previous experience, I wanted to sleep more, um, but I did also struggle with sleep. And then I also found that with appetite, I always tend towards more cravings and wanting to eat more carbs, more sugar to kind of self-soothe. And the reasoning behind that is that you get this uh, serotonin boost or this feel-good boost from these type of foods, right? So obviously um, when we eat carbs, it helps our body to build serotonin, one of the happy hormones. And so with depression, you are lower in serotonin. Um, There's other things going on as well, but one of the things is that you're lower in serotonin. So biologically, it makes sense that your body is going to crave carbs and sugar that will give you this serotonin boost. The unfortunate thing, though, is that once you have that initial boost, um, especially if your blood sugar um, crashes afterwards, so if you tend to eat you know, a lot of carbs all on their own without protein or other nutrients, your blood sugar is going to crash maybe an hour or two later, and you're going to feel pretty crappy. So when you're low blood sugar, you can have um, low mood, irritability, shakiness, tiredness, um, and that can really contribute to a lot of inflammation and lack of nutrients getting to the brain to... Um, have proper brain functioning. So that's another factor. It's a big one that can contribute to mood changes, including depression. And so obviously we can't be really strict with our diet or harsh with ourselves and saying, I can never have, you know, carbs. I can never have sugar. Um, I have to eat super clean in order to optimize, you know, my gut health, but also my mental health. You're going to have cravings. It's going to happen. You're going to indulge. But when you take a more holistic approach to your mental wellness, so optimizing sleep, eating that protein to balance your blood sugar, um, seeking support from loved ones, getting your movement in, and maybe taking some supplements to help as well, it's easier to have your carb indulgence but not go overboard. So a lot of people, including myself and my experience, when you're feeling down, it's really easy to kind of feel like you're out of control around some of these comfort foods because you really, really want that hit of serotonin and dopamine to feel good. But if you already feel satiated or feel good from other things you're doing to help you boost your mood, 
it's easier to stop at one serving. Say, you know, you want to have pizza or you want to have a donut. It's easier to have just one than and feel satisfied than to feel like you can't um, kind of lose control and you're going to eat several and then make yourself sick. So that's something that's really critical too in that mindset around food and indulgences so much that if you feel that all these foods are off limit and you go ahead and eat one of them, you're going to probably give yourself a big guilt trip and feel shame and just feel, you know, beat yourself up that you ate this food. And that's only going to make you feel worse with your mental health, right? So with mental health, and we're not going to dive too much into that in this episode, but the way you talk to yourself is a huge, huge factor. So if you're constantly giving yourself guilt trips or shaming yourself or feeling that you're not doing good enough, whether that's with your diet or your exercise or your work, that's going to make you feel down, right? So we really need to be gentle with ourselves and think, would I say this to a friend or a loved one? And if not, how can I change that voice in my head? Okay, so when it comes to eating to balance your blood sugar, as I was saying, Yes, you're going to have carbs, but you want to make sure you're having those carbs with some protein and ideally um, a carb that has fiber in it or a veggie with it that has fiber in it. And that is because carbs are digested and absorbed into the bloodstream pretty quickly and turned into sugars. So if you eat carbs on their own, you're going to have a pretty quick blood sugar spike, but then you're going to crash maybe an hour or so later. But if you eat it with some protein, fat or fiber or all of the above, These things are digested and absorbed more slowly, and it's going to cause a slow, steady rise in blood sugar that will remain stable for several hours. And that not only keeps your cravings at bay, keeps your metabolism high, you've got more energy, more brain power, but it also helps keep your mood stable. So really, really critical for mental health. Let's talk a little bit about nutrient deficiencies. These are incredibly common in the people that I work with for several several reasons. One being they're just not absorbing nutrients very well. The other one is they are on, on a restricted diet that is low in some of these nutrients we need for mental health. And uh, the other one would be um, they have so much inflammation, whether that's in their whole body or especially in their small intestine where things get absorbed, that they're just not absorbing things properly. So I think I've said that twice here, but I guess I should elaborate and say there's a few reasons why we would not be absorbing. Number one would be um, you have low stomach acid and or low digestive enzymes and or low bile from your liver gallbladder. The second reason would be you have too much inflammation in your small intestine that can include bacterial overgrowth like SIBO. Um, And that's where absorption takes place. And so if you have that inflammation there, you're not going to be able to absorb properly because the cells are damaged and you also don't have the uh, enzymes being produced by the brush border, the lining of your small intestine to help you further digest and absorb. And then the final thing there is if you have this bacterial overgrowth in your small intestine, these bacteria can actually steal nutrients from you especially things like B vitamins and iron. And so we really have to take a critical look at how the gut is functioning, not just are you eating enough nutrients or do you need a multivitamin because your diet might be deficient, but also I like to see blood work and see like what are your actual levels. And say, for example, you're taking an iron supplement, you're taking a B vitamin and you're taking vitamin D, but we check your blood work and you're still low. 
that tells me that something's not getting absorbed here. Something's going on where your absorption and digestion is off and we need to work on optimizing that so we can get those levels up. I guess I should explain the reason why. So some of you may know that, you know, iron and B vitamins are really critical for energy and they are, but they're also really critical for mental health and building some of these happy hormones like serotonin and dopamine. Same goes for vitamin D, really, really critical for mental health. And that's why when we sit in the sun in the summertime, we get that sun exposure, um, our bodies make vitamin D and that helps to boost mood. But on top of that, our skin actually has the ability to produce serotonin, one of those happy hormones. So let's talk a little bit more about serotonin. We know that it can be made by um, eating carbs. Also, we need a an amino acid, a building block of protein called tryptophan to make serotonin that comes from proteins. So it's really critical that we get enough protein in the diet to use that building block tryptophan with things like B vitamins as cofactors to build serotonin. Now, the other thing that we need to make serotonin is something called 5-HTP. That is the one of the building blocks of serotonin. And we know that Serotonin is made in the brain, but most of it is made in the gut. However, there's serotonin that is made in the gut acts locally in the gut, but this is also important. It acts as a prokinetic, meaning it keeps the bowels moving. So we know that anytime you get constipated and develop, um, because of the constipation, develop bacterial imbalance or overgrowth in the gut, that is going to affect your mental health. So obviously bowel movements are important. And so that serotonin acting locally in the gut is important, but your gut bacteria, assuming you have enough of the healthy guys, which we'll get to in a second and how that gut dysbiosis can directly impact mood. But assuming you have enough healthy gut bacteria, they do produce that 5-HTP building block. So while serotonin can't get from the gut into the brain because it's too big, it can't pass through this barrier called the blood-brain barrier, what can pass through is something called the 5-HTP. So that can be made in the gut and transported through the blood-brain barrier into the brain to make serotonin. So that is why um, having enough healthy gut bacteria, one of the reasons why, so very critical for mental health. And so we'll talk a bit about that in a moment as to what may cause gut bacteria imbalances. We've talked a lot about that before on the podcast, but I'll kind of reiterate. But I do want you to also know that one of the other things that is a more recent discovery in mental health is that it's not just about having low levels of things like serotonin, but also that there is a systemic inflammation going on. And that inflammation, say it's starting in your gut, which is a common place for inflammation to start. That doesn't just stay in your gut. These inflammatory chemicals like cytokines, so different inflammatory immune chemicals, which can be triggered by the having bad bacteria or yeasts in the gut. So they trigger through the gut wall and interact with the immune system. They're going to cause the immune system to release these inflammatory chemicals. Now, they don't stay in your gut. They enter into your bloodstream and they can cross through that blood-brain barrier and affect your brain functioning. So we now know that leaky gut is leaky brain and that inflammation in the brain is going to impact your mood. It's also going to cause things like brain fog. 
So this is why, or one of the reasons why people that take um, medications that work mainly on kind of recycling the serotonin in your brain may not always benefit, or they might benefit a little bit, but they still feel unwell because there's also this level of inflammation that the drug is not able to address. And that's where healing the gut, eating as healthy as possible, optimizing your detox pathways, getting your sleep, all of the things that bring down inflammation in the body and balancing out the immune system is so very critical for mental health. Hey, the holidays are fast approaching. I am super excited and I hope you are too. But I bet you're kind of worried that you're gonna have a massive gut flare from eating a piece of pie or some cookies or something that you quote unquote shouldn't be eating with your gut symptoms. I get it, I've been there and it's so stressful because you just want to enjoy yourself and not have to stress about what you're gonna eat or what the host is serving. So I put together this amazing uh, happy gut for the holidays guide that has my top tips for surviving holiday dinners without feeling bloated and uncomfortable and self-conscious and actually enjoying yourself. And it includes my top tips um, on like how to eat, what to do to navigate, you know, if you're low FODMAP or gluten-free. It includes amazing recipe guide of uh, gut-friendly, gluten-free cookies, some are nut-free, some are dairy-free, as well as simple meals for busy days. And it includes a supplement guide of specific supplements that I think everyone should have stashed in their purse um, to keep you feeling good. Things like digestive enzymes, my top pick for that, um, what to do or certain supplements to have on hand if you do get a gut flare to stop it in its tracks. So I put all of this together. It's a free guide. I'm so excited to share it with you. Head to the link in the show notes to grab it. And I can't wait for you to dive in. So when we think about brain chemicals in terms of mood, we know that serotonin is one of the most important chemicals for mental health, especially with depression. But there are other ones that are just as important and including one that you may not even think of as relating to mental health, and that is histamine. So before we dive into histamine, um, we also think about dopamine, GABA, norepinephrine. There's so many neurotransmitters that don't get talked about enough. Um, so with depression, it's not just balancing out serotonin, it's having balanced neurotransmitters in general. And now we're going to dive into how histamine might be playing a role in depression. So for example, there's been studies where um, there's been an, uh, an injection of some of the toxins that are released by gut bacteria called LPS. And if they um, inject that into the body, it causes the release of histamine in the brain. And then it's triggered. Um, so that release of histamine is triggered by the infl inflammation, right? So LPS is an inflammatory chemical causing an inflammatory response and the body's releasing histamine, which is part of the immune system and its way of, of dealing with this inflammation. The immune system ramps up and says, okay, clearly we're needed. We have to put out this inflammation. What can we do? But the problem is we actually need histamine in certain amounts in the body. So we don't want to block it necessarily by taking something like an antihistamine all the time because we do need it. So there's research showing that uh, histamine increases dopamine, but actually decreases serotonin. 
Um, so what we want to do is kind of not block histamine, but regulate it. And so that's why we don't want to take something like an antihistamine for several reasons. One, histamine is needed for things like stomach acid production, um, eating behaviors, cognitive function, um, wakefulness. But uh, we also need it to balance out the levels uh, and for mental health too. So we don't want too much or too little. It's kind of like Goldilocks, right? And so blocking it is not the answer. What we need to do instead is regulate its production and level in the body. So there's a lot of people that I work with that have something called histamine intolerance, where because of their baseline level of histamine in their body is already so high, and that can be for several reasons, they can't tolerate any dietary histamine. So um, things that are high in histamine would be fermented foods like yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, pickles, any true ferments, um, wine and any and beer and alcohol in general. And then uh, aged or fermented or smoked kind of uh, things that you would find on like a charcuterie board, right? So brie and blue cheese and old cheddars and, and cured meats. These things are all very high in histamine. And so if you react to something like this, that means your body already has so much histamine that it, it kind of overflows the bucket and you start to get symptoms. So whether that's brain fog or headaches or stuffiness or um, actually, you know, increase in gut symptoms. So whether that's gas, bloating, pain, diarrhea, or constipation, there's research showing that high levels of histamine in the gut is correlated with uh, IBS-like symptoms. And so one of the reasons why people have an issue with histamine is because they simply can't break it down. And so there's a couple different pathways in which the body breaks down histamine. Um, so one of them involves methylation. So that's where we would need our methylated vitamins like B vitamins. And it's a complex process with basically methyl groups, which are um, these certain groups in a, in a chemical structure are donated or removed from one compound to the other to make a gene turn on or off. So we need our methylated, um, we need methylation to happen. So we need methylated things like B vitamins. So we also need magnesium vitamin C for that as well. Then there's another pathway, which is the DAO pathway in the gut. Um, so with histamine intolerance, you tend to focus on this, but we have to include all of these pathways. So in the gut, we have this enzyme called DAO that is produced by healthy gut bacteria that helps us to break down histamine. So when we don't have the right balance of gut bacteria, we're going to have trouble breaking it down. So not only do we have to get more of the good guys in there and clear out the bad guys, we also need to have uh, B6, magnesium, and copper to make that pathway work. And then there's another pathway um, using N-acetyltransferase uh, and B5 that is critical for uh, breaking down histamine too. So basically what we want to do is support the body in balancing the levels of histamine, not block it and not get it too high, but balance it out because when it's too high, um, we can have issues with depression. And in, in general, right, we touched on that in this episode already, where if we have too much baseline inflammation in the body, whether that's from stress, whether that's from dysregulated blood sugar, whether that's from toxins coming in that can't be processed, um, whether that's from anxiety and nervous system dysfunction that is triggering the immune system to be hyperactive and release um, a lot of these um, inflammatory compounds, including things like histamine. But these immune cytokines where the immune system has got to a point where it's dysregulated 
And whether that's because you've got seasonal allergies that you're constantly being exposed to in the warmer months, whether that's because your gut is out of whack and we know that your gut bacteria interact directly with your immune system through your gut lining. There's so many factors that could throw off the delicate balance of your immune function and contribute to these high levels of inflammatory compounds. And then when they're high, that's when you're going to have issues with depression. When it comes to depression, whether it's seasonal affective disorder or typical depression, sleep is critical. Now it can go either way and sometimes varies between one, or one extreme and the other where you want to sleep all the time or you may want to sleep, but you have a really hard time sleeping. And that can be for several reasons. So um, you might feel tired all the time with depression because when your body's in that state, you're inflamed, your, your brain chemistry is out of whack, it's going to make you tired. And it's a vicious cycle where when you emotionally feel down, you feel more tired, you want to sleep. But then you're not going to be, oftentimes you won't be getting a deep or quality sleep. So it's a vicious cycle because we know that when you don't get a good sleep, it makes your mental health worse. So really what we need to do is not only bring down levels of inflammation and get the body moving and detoxing, but we also need to figure out why are we not getting a quality sleep? And that can be for several reasons. For some people, it has to do with low levels of melatonin production. So obviously we want to avoid screens in the evening because we know that interferes with melatonin production. But what you have to understand is this pathway as well. So we have a pathway where, um, when we're building our happy hormone serotonin, we use that uh, tryptophan we talked about with our cofactors like B vitamins and other things that converts um, or and or our gut bacteria is doing this where it's making the 5-HTP. 5-HTP is getting converted into serotonin to feel good. And then that serotonin converts into or should convert into melatonin to help us sleep. But if we don't have enough serotonin, we can't make that melatonin, right? So yes, you can supplement with melatonin and that does help some people, but a lot of people find that makes them quite groggy in the morning. So the better uh, attempt here is to work on upregulating your body's production of serotonin so that in turn you can convert it to melatonin. So how do we do that? We eat the protein rich foods, we get enough B vitamins and vitamin C and iron and all the cofactors we need. We have to make sure we have the right gut bacteria. So getting a probiotic or fermented foods if tolerated. And then um, just getting that converted into serotonin and then to melatonin. Some people find, especially if they're struggling with low mood and only if you're not on medications, you can try something called 5-HTP as a supplement. Um, and then that can upregulate your production of serotonin and then into melatonin. There are other um, supplements as well that can help boost levels of serotonin and in turn melatonin. Uh, so things like saffron, um, medicinal mushrooms, um, L-theanine, which is an amino acid that's very lovely and calming, but not sedating. I love that for during the day for stress and anxiety. Also keeps you very sharp. Um, but L-theanine and any amino acid in general, it kind of, it's one of those ones that helps to boost your overall levels of happy brain chemicals. And so really focusing on sleep um, is really critical because again, if you're not getting that quality sleep, your mood is going to be off. 
And then the other thing I wanted to mention too is this concept of adrenal fatigue, which is really talked about uh, in the natural world, uh, functional medicine world, but really what's going on is something called HPA axis dysfunction. And this can contribute to insomnia and mood issues as well. So we often call it adrenal fatigue and focus more on, you know, we have to support the adrenals and give the, all these supplements that support adrenal function. And if you, for those of you who don't know, your adrenal glands are the glands that pump out cortisol, stress hormone, and give you energy and help suppress inflammation. And so this is why we see a lot of people when they're in late stages of what we call so-called burnout, where they're inflamed, they're getting sick all the time, they're sore, they have brain fog, they're tired. And we blame this on low cortisol. But it's not 100% accurate. You might have slightly low cortisol, but you have to be have a really serious condition to not be making any cortisol anymore. And you probably would be in the hospital by that point. So yes, you might be slightly low. But instead of fixating on, you know, supporting the adrenal glands themselves, we have to ask, why are the adrenal glands being hyperstimulated and constantly being told to pump out stress hormones? Where's that signal coming from? The brain, right? So the brain should be our area of focus because it's a top-down signaling, sending signals to the adrenals saying, we're stressed, we're in danger, you have to start pumping out these hormones. So instead, let's focus on the brain. And that's why doing things like the uh, mindfulness practices, deep breathing, meditation, yoga, all of these things are so critical for the body, but also for the mind, right? Because when your mind is in that calm state and we're not sending those stress hormone signals to the adrenal glands and the rest of the body, we're down-regulating inflammation and we're allowing the biochemical processes that need to be happening to make these happy hormones, they can work more efficiently. Because keep in mind that anytime your body is in that fight or flight survival state, so your brain is, is sensing danger of some kind, and saying, okay, we have to, you know, release the the guards and, and start the, the process to um, protect ourselves or run away from danger. That's going to always pref uh, make the body prefer to build stress hormones rather than build the other necessary things like brain chemicals, happy hormones, and sex hormones, and all the things that we want to be nice and balanced. It's always going to stay in this inflammatory state of survival and, you know, prefer to only focus its resources on that survival state rather than doing the daily things that it needs to do for the body to function optimally. So working on the brain, the mindset, getting yourself into a more calm state as often as possible using some of these tools is really critical. And whether you, um, you know, obviously if you're practicing these things regularly and you're still struggling with feeling anxious or on edge, you might want to use some supportive tools like something like theanine or lemon balm tea or um, saffron to help you feel good. But I just want you to remember that fixating only on supplements and or diet is not going to be enough to balance that HPA axis dysfunction, that constant stress cycle that you've got your body trapped in. We have to add these lifestyle pieces, these practices that allow our body, our nervous system to shift out of survival mode into a rest and digest calm state where healing and balancing the body can happen. The other thing I want to touch on here is, um, can I circle back and talk about LPS, those inflammatory toxins? Where do those come from? They're often released by our gut microbes, especially when we tr start trying to kill them. 
So for those of you who follow me or um, maybe you've self-prescribed like a four-hour protocol to yourself and you're going to start by um, killing off some of these back, bad bacteria because you suspect that they are indeed contributing to um, you know, inflammation and low mood, something you have to keep in mind is unless it's done properly, you will have a big flare-up and feel much worse before you get better. So what I mean by that is something called die-off or the Herxheimer reaction. When we start to kill bad microbes like bacteria and certain yeasts and other microbes, they release these LPS toxins. And if the body is not able to deal with those toxins and flush them out efficiently, or it already has a high state of inflammation, you're going to feel very unwell with that toxic burden on your body. It's going to cause a lot of um, those immune cytokines, that inflammation to be released. If you have leaky gut, leaky brain, you might get headaches or migraines, brain fog. It's going to impact your mood. It's going to make you feel down or anxious. It's going to make you feel hungover. So um, maybe nauseous or indigestion or diarrhea. You might have um, aches and pains throughout your body. All of the horrible things that we feel like when we either have a bug or we're hungover, that's called die-off. And it's a very real thing. And so you have to be very, very careful if, if you're thinking, look, okay, I know part of my problem is my gut bacteria. I'm going to start attacking it really encourage you to work with someone like myself because I don't just throw antimicrobials or antibacterial supplements at someone. We do it in a very specific way, especially for women timed at a very specific point in their cycle when their inflammation is lower. And we do it in a way that we're supporting the body's detox processes like the liver, gallbladder, keeping the bowels moving, um, your lymphatic system and your kidneys, all of the things that help your body flush these toxins out. We do all of that support at the same time. So you don't end up feeling sick and feeling worse, right? Cause like I said, those LPS toxins, when they did some of these studies and they injected the LPS toxins, they caused such an inflammatory response and a histamine response that it made people get more depressed. So especially if you're struggling with mental health concerns, which I assume you are, if you're listening to this episode, you don't want to dive into a protocol like that without the proper supports. I want to talk about this idea that most of the serotonin in our brain or in our body is made in our gut. So yes, a large portion of serotonin or a lot of serotonin in general is made in the gut, but we have this filter that protects our brain called the blood brain barrier and serotonin itself Yes, it's made in the gut, but it's too big of a molecule to pass through that blood brain barrier and get into the brain. So the serotonin that is made in the brain kind of stays in the brain and the serotonin that's made in the gut acts locally in the gut. So it actually has a purpose in the gut, which is motility. So if you've ever taken a 5-HTP supplement, um, it, you know, it's used as a prokinetic because it builds serotonin and gets the bowels moving. So serotonin acts locally in the gut. But 5-HTP, whether you take it in supplement form or whether it's the this 5-HTP that's being made by your healthy gut bacteria, that is small enough to cross through the blood-brain barrier and get into the brain to be to make serotonin. So yes, 5-HTP can cross in the brain and help you boost your levels of serotonin. But if someone tells you that you know serotonin coming from the gut the serotonin itself is going to the brain it's not happening <laughs> unless you have a very leaky brain and that's a bigger concern bigger fish to fry at that point so um yes we want to try to boost those levels of healthy bacteria 
But a lot of the people I work with, you know, if they're struggling with their mental health, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we definitely want to boost the levels of good bacteria in the gut. And if they're actively struggling at that time, I don't want to start by killing that bad bacteria because it's going to make them feel worse before they feel better. So oftentimes I'll start with a probiotic, but it has to be the right probiotic at the right time, especially if someone has a condition like SIBO, lots of heartburn and belching. Probiotics, especially the, you know, lactobacillus and bifido, the more common ones, oftentimes make SIBO and that kind of situation much worse, more heartburn, more belching, more gas, more bloating. So we have to be very selective in the type of probiotic we use to support mental health and inflammation in the brain. Um, so we want to use more likely uh, spore-based probiotics like bacillus strains, bacillus coagulans, bacillus subtilis, uh, bacillus clausi and or um, Espoulardi, which is a probiotic yeast, which also helps promote the growth of other healthy probiotics. Some people might tolerate small amounts of fermented foods if they don't have a problem with histamine. Um, and, and because these fermented foods can have lactobacillus species in them, but they might not tolerate a high dose of lactobacillus probiotic. So it's really very personalized. And uh, if you're doing this on your own, you may have to do some trial and error to see which microbes feel best for you. But if you have SIBO, I highly recommend avoiding the most common types of probiotics that include lactobacillus and bifido and sticking more so with the spore-based probiotics and espoulardi. The other thing you can do to support the growth of those healthy bacteria and boost your mood is taking a prebiotic supplement. So that can include things like inulin or chicory root or partially hydrolyzed guar gum. I always recommend the partially hydrolyzed guar gum in small doses and working your way up and then just other um, low FODMAP gut-friendly foods that are higher in fiber, mainly because if you take something that's a high FODMAP prebiotic like chicory or inulin, and you're just starting your gut healing journey, you're probably going to cause more gas, more bloating, more digestive discomfort. And um, you've probably already noticed that, especially if you, you've eaten something like a supplement, like a protein powder that has these fibers in it and you didn't realize, or, you know, you had some bean soup or you ate a protein bar that was high in inulin and you didn't realize it. And then you really suffered from that. And don't even get me started on those smart sweets that everyone eats. <laughs> yes, they're low calories, but they're very high in FODMAPs and will make your gut worse. So, but if you tolerate FODMAPs, obviously go ahead and have any kind of prebiotic you want. Um, but a lot of people with gut issues don't. And so if you don't tolerate probiotics, but you do tolerate prebiotics, that is somewhere too that you can focus um, because eventually we want to discontinue probiotics anyways. They're used as a temporary uh, supplement because they don't stay permanently in the gut. As I've said before in the podcast, the goal is to grow your own healthy permanent bacteria in the gut because once you discontinue a probiotic, it's gone from your body in about four to six, maybe eight weeks max. So we really want to grow our own. And that's one of the reasons that fiber is so very important. And a side note on fiber here is it has so many other factors that can support mental health as well. Number one being it balances your blood sugar. And we already talked about how imbalanced blood sugar can make uh, your mood worse. And um, I mean, it lowers cholesterol, which is good overall, <laughs> but also it helps to bind some of those LPS toxins and get those out of the body. And so the final thing I want to say here is, and something that might sound unorthodox or, you know, might not have made sense to you prior to this episode, but things that help with mood as well would be 
foods and supplements that are high in antioxidants and uh, supplements that regulate the immune system. So we already talked about how inflammation caused by the immune system. And one of the reasons people have this with IBS issues is they have leaky gut, remember? And so things from their gut are leaking into the bloodstream and getting flagged by the immune system and has this almost constant inflammatory immune response. The, the body's like, whoa, this shouldn't be here. Why is this particle of food here? Why is this bacterium here in the blood should not be here? Mountain attack, right? So we have this constant inflammatory response. If we can dampen that with things like antioxidants, um, and which also works by kind of dampening inflammation systemically, but in the brain as well. Um, so I'll list a few in a moment, as well as other supplements that aren't antioxidants per se, but regulate the immune system. So that would be things like, uh, so curcumin is a big, big one. It has a lot of research for depression. If you have gastritis or ulcers, stomach irritation, you want to avoid curcumin, but it's very powerful very anti-inflammatory and has been proven to help with depression. The other thing um, in the antioxidant department would be things like um, grape seed extract, uh, bilberry, um, quercetin, which kind of is, works on both ends here. So I love quercetin for its antioxidant status, but also it helps to regulate the immune system and histamine re um, response. So the inflammatory histamine type response. Vitamin C is a big one for um, supporting the production of these happy hormones, but also regulating that histamine response. Uh, what else do we love for histamine? Um, nettles, stinging nettle or nettles in supplement form. Um, those are some of the big ones that I've used anyway. Um, there are other immune supportive or immune balancing herbs, but again, you want to be careful with herbs. They're quite powerful. I don't typically recommend, um, self-prescribing. You want to start more with things like amino acids and vitamins and antioxidants as your go-to and food, of course, um, before you jump into herbs. But there are a number of herbs that are helpful, like Bakehouse Skullcap, uh, ginseng, ashwagandha, rhodiola, holy basil, really great um, supportive and, and immune balancing compounds. Uh, perillia as well. Now, when it comes back to food in terms of antioxidants, um, things that are really great for antioxidant levels are berries and cherries, tea, all kinds of tea, but especially green tea and matcha. Um, what else do we have? Anything that's orange, uh, so orange root veggies, like sweet potato, squash, and pumpkin carrots. So anything bright or dark are usually quite, quite high in antioxidants that are both directly anti-inflammatory on the body, but also feed healthy gut bacteria and also help to balance the immune system. Certain ones anyways. You also want to look at your nutrient levels. So I recommend, especially if you've had gut issues for a long time and, or you've been on a restrictive diet where you might not be getting a wide variety of foods. So whether that's a low FODMAP or gluten-free or paleo diet or, um, a, being vegan or vegetarian, you want to get your vitamin B12, your iron and your vitamin D levels checked. All of those will impact your body's ability to make happy hormones like serotonin and dopamine and also impact other things too. So vitamin D impacts so many other things in the body that affect mood. So it's 
Vitamin D is actually a hormone, which means it impacts all other hormones. So we know that, for example, for women, hormone imbalances contribute to mental health concerns as well. So vitamin D is important for hormones. It's important for building uh, brain chemicals like serotonin, dopamine, and it's important for supporting the immune system as well. So anything that supports the immune system and balances out that inflammatory immune response that's so very common in people with IBS and chronic gut conditions is going to help um, with mood. And then the final piece I really want to add, you know, in my healing journey and my struggle with depression and anxiety throughout my life, um, I'll say that I've never been someone who's overly active. I like going for walks in nature. Um, I like, you know, I would go swimming or skating or the odd thing growing up, but I never played sports. I wasn't a gym rat or anything. It wasn't until my mid to late 20s that I started getting into um, going to the gym and doing bigger hikes and just being more active. And I could not believe the impact that it made on my mental health. On my darkest days, if I could force myself to move my body, especially in a way that got me sweating, I felt a million times better after. So I get it. You probably don't feel like moving your body when you're feeling really down, but that is one of the surefire ways to help yourself feel better. And then it's kind of this momentum builder where if you can get out for a walk or you can, you know, do a yoga class or you can even do a YouTube video of 20 minutes of body weight exercises or cardio or dancing even, it's going to boost your mood enough that it motivates you to do the other things that are going to make you feel good. So it's going to motivate you to cook healthy meals and eat healthy meals. It's going to motivate you to connect with loved ones more. It's going to motivate you to do some of those nervous system practices like deep breathing or meditation, right? It's kind of one of the, the best things about working out or moving your body is it really is this motivator to get you doing all the other healthy activities and the healthy habits that are so very critical for your mental health, but also for gut healing. So if you take anything away from this episode, I hope you take away that, you know, any kind of movement is critical as often as possible. And that will really help boost your mood and get that momentum going. And that supplements are definitely helpful. You do have to be careful with them if you're on medications, but um, they can be helpful. But again, much like taking a medication, it can't be a crutch. You have to practice all the other factors um, that, you know, the eating healthy to balance your blood sugar, the reaching out for support, getting a good quality sleep, and importantly, doing those things that you love. And I get it. You know, one of the signs of depression and seasonal affective disorder is you withdraw from people you love. You don't have motivation to do things like cooking. You want to sleep all the time and you don't enjoy the things that you used to enjoy, right? All of the things that bring you joy, whether that's playing with your dog or doing crafts or singing, you just don't enjoy it anymore. But when we get tweak some of these foundational pieces, you'll start to find yourself wanting to do more of the things you love and build that momentum to feel even better. So I want to give you hope that no matter where you are with your mental health right now, I've been in very dark places myself, and I was able to get to a point where I can not only just function, but hold down a job and run my business. And, you know, I'm getting ready to get married next year and um, healing from chronic pain and just like all the things that I never thought I would do is totally possible when you get these foundational pieces put into place. 
So if you're really struggling and you're not sure where to start and you're finding, you know, wow, Holly, you gave us a lot of tips this episode, but I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I don't know where to start, book a session with me, um, book a free meet and greet session just to get some clarity and some guidance on what your first step should be. Or if you're ready to start working together one-on-one and you want that personalized plan to feel better ASAP, go ahead and book that first session. I'm really excited to, you know, one of my biggest things is to help people feel better. And I really love helping people heal their gut, but it makes me feel even better when I hop on a call with someone and I can see right away that they are smiling and they're radiant and they actually are feeling so much better than they, you know, than the last time I spoke to them. It makes me feel so very good inside to know that I've helped them not just have less bloating or gut pain or regulate their bowel movements, but actually feel happier or more calm. So I hope you guys found this helpful. Again, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out either on Instagram at mindful underscore vitality or through email mindfulvitalitynutrition at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Hey, if you have 30 seconds to spare, if you could leave me a rating and review in your podcast app, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps women just like you discover my podcast and start their own healing journey. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.